0: Welcome to The Group Message with DJ and Mike. I'm Michael Tadlock, and we're happy to be bringing you Episode 5 of The Group Message. We're talking sports just the way you like it, just like in The Group Message with your buddies. As always, we encourage you to be a part of the show by finding us on Twitter at DJ and Mike or email us at guys at gmail.com. As always, I'm joined by my co-host here, Dwayne Jones. He's a happy guy today. as Tigers took care of business this weekend. DJ, what's up, man?
1: It was rolling in Death Valley on Saturday night. Let me tell you, that place was rocking. We were chomping. We were dancing. We were hugging. Uh, Just an overall great atmosphere, man. That's that's what it's like to be part of the SEC, those type of games, you know, where the rest of the country's watching and you're participating. A lot of stuff to go over and I can't wait to dive into it this week, man.
0: Yeah, we've got a good one for you guys today. And if if you're not following us on Twitter, make sure you search at DJ and Mike because DJ had some good uh, photos and videos from the game on Saturday. He was there at uh, the LSU Florida game, and so. Had some good content on Twitter as always, but uh, make sure you go follow us. We also had some winners on Twitter. We'll talk about later in terms of bets as well. Mike, so. and we
1: had some Clemson fans uh, chiming in on the SEC this week. I don't know if you saw. Oh that really? On the I didn't. Feed. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. What, uh, what'd they say? Oh yeah, man. They're 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 hot. That they're falling down the rankings as they play uh, Greenville High School, um, Spartanburg High School, Orangeburg High School. I went to Clemson, so I understand what the Orangeburgs and the Spartanburgs are, but they they weren't happy when uh, the group message posted in the Clemson forum. But uh, it was good stuff, man. Oh, look, we're going to
0: talk some college football playoff and where things are shaping up because, to be honest with you, they ought to be worried because that schedule's not helping them out right now. And we'll, we'll dive into that for sure. Guys, we got a good one. We're going to be talking about the games this past weekend. We're going to look ahead. We're going to discuss the college football playoff. We're going to talk about officiating. We're even going to talk about coaches and offensive coordinators and what's going on right now around the country. And, of course, we're going to get to the bets and message boards. And, I mean, what show wouldn't be complete without a letter from DJ in a little while, right? So let's get right to it. Florida at LSU. DJ, everybody was looking forward to this one on Saturday night. It pretty much lived up to the height. The game was a a really good game. uh, As a a LSU minus 13 and a half better, I was pretty nervous most of the night till the very end. LSU pulls it out 42-28.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, look, listen, um, the two coaches that scare me when they come in play in Death Valley, obviously Nick Saban and Dan Mullen. That guy seems to be able to keep his team in the football games um, when they're big time underdogs. Because, listen, there were 13 and a half point underdogs in that football game. And, you know, first half was back and forth, back and forth. Um, defenses. We're trying to we trying to make plays. They weren't able to do anything in the first half. Uh, in the second half, you got to give credit to LSU coaching staff, man. I mean, as good as Florida looked in the in the first half, they only put up seven points in the second half versus LSU. And of course, LSU's offense is a absolute monster right now. They are rolling, hitting on all cylinders. And um, you know, I know Florida threw a costly interception in the, in the end zone. We stopped them on a fourth down late. So Florida um, moved the ball on LSU. And Mike, I told you earlier in the week, I was nervous about the LSU defense. And we'll get into some, some more details about the game. But overall, man, you take a win, you get out of there with the win, you survive and you advance. Look, Florida only
0: had 146 rushing yards to 218 for LSU. That to me, ended up being the difference in the game. Look, we all know it. Uh, Dan Mullins built around the run. He's able. His offenses are able to pass a little bit, but that's not what he wants to do. That's not where his comfort zone is as a play caller. And I thought that despite the fact that LSU gave up some yards, like they have been, they buckled down and they, they did make Florida have to throw the ball to win. And I think ultimately that led to things like that interception that you were talking about. The fact that Edwards Hilaire had 134 yards rushing – and P. Ryan only had 65. That's a huge stat when you're playing against a Dan Mullen offense if you can hold them down on, on the rushing yards.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mike, here's the, you know, I, the rushing yards is always key. You, you usually can point to two things, rushing yards and turnovers. Who wins those usually win a lot of football games. But I'm going to tell you, the stat that troubles me as an LSU fan, look, as the coach say, take a day, take two days, celebrate it, get back on to the next game, right? So. I took one, two days to celebrate uh, and recover. And now I'm I'm on to the next week. And what's, what's going to make LSU continue to get better? Because you're either getting better or you're getting worse. The stat that troubled me this game was time of possession. Florida held the ball for 38 minutes. And LSU held the ball for 21 minutes. That means that LSU's defense was on the field for more than a quarter more than Florida. And I'm all in favor of this offense and when it's rolling don't stop it but there's going to come a point in time in the season where you're going to need to it's okay to hurry up to the line of scrimmage hurry up hurry up don't let the defense substitute but then back off back off the throttle give your defense an opportunity to rest because I can tell you if you're on the field for 40 minutes not a lot of good things are going to happen right I mean that's just a long time to be on on a on a football field so Look, trash through for 310 yards, three TDs, time of possession, killed us. But overall, man, you still win the game by 14 points at home. You do what you got to do. And uh, now you're looking at being ranked number two team in the country. I think you're right. I think there is something to be said for that. But at the same time, DJ,
0: you would think that with the time of possession being so off balance that Mullen and company would have had a lot more rushing yards. I think they were really lucky to be – in that game the way they were the, with with the lack of rushing yards, in my opinion. I thought that LSU did a great job of making them more one-dimensional than they uh, they would like to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, can you say anything more about Joe Burrow? I mean, guys, 21 to 24, 300 yards or 293, three touchdowns. Jefferson and Chase, each over 100 yards, each with a touchdown, Chase with two touchdowns. Coming into the year, you know, we were all looking at Alabama's – you know, duo of wide receivers. Right now Chase and Jefferson have more yards than any other combination of wide receivers in the country. So man, they're gonna be tough to stop, but Mike, I've been saying it since Texas, Vanderbilt, and now Florida. Can you stop people down the stretch? Can you stop Auburn now? Can you stop Mississippi State? Can you I'm joking about Mississippi State. Uh can be. you <laughs> yeah, can you stop Alabama? So yeah, man, it was overall a great game. Um Great, great atmosphere in there. It was rocking. It was what LSU um, has been needing for a long time.
0: You know, DJ, you bring up the uh, the wide receiver play, and that's uh, that's good stats because I did not realize that Chase and Jefferson, that they have got better numbers than some of the guys like the Alabama receivers. This is against pretty good competition, too. I mean, they have had some cupcakes, but it's not like it's been against Clemson's schedule or anything. You know, they've actually played some ranked opponents. How about we go ahead? I was going to wait and bring this up later, but – you just said it. Joe Burrow has looked unbelievable this year, looked awful last year. Coaches matter, and if you are a coach, it's your job to coach and to set a guy up for success. I know you've got a lot of opinions on this, uh, DJ, and I think Joe Burrow is the perfect example of what we were talking about over the weekend. Yeah, Mike,
1: when I was listening, I was pumped up walking out of that stadium, and then, then you kind of get in your car and you're stuck in traffic and you're talking to your buddies. you got the group text messages going on. You're talking to the guys in the car. man, And listen – I kind of got upset, and the reason why I got upset is because um, I was at that Alabama game last year where we didn't score a point at home at night, and we had the same quarterback, Mike. We had the same wide receivers. You know what changed? We actually got a coach in, Joe Brady, that said, okay, I understand passing. I know, and I'm going to evaluate what Joe Burrow does well what he doesn't do well, and I'm going to make my game plans and my play calls around what this guy does well. That's coaching. Too many times, you know, Mike, so this week my letter goes out to offensive coordinators and head coaches. Dear offensive coordinators and head coaches around the country, I think if you took a poll of the majority of the power five conferences in their schools i guarantee you 70 percent or 75 percent of them would say they're dissatisfied with their quarterback play yet these are the schools that are getting the three stars the four stars and the five stars into their program so all of a sudden you have all these guys with all these type of talent and they come to your program and they can't throw the football and listen we know what you're doing okay you're at these big dinners coaches and offensive coordinators, and you're sitting around the table with all these boosters, and they're asking you about the quarterback, of course. That's what everybody wants to know about. And you're and you're saying things like, uh, you know, he's he's doing good, but he's not progressing as much as we'd like, or he hasn't been as accurate, he's missed a few open guys, and and that manifests into such and such can't throw the football. Right? Last year, Joe Burrow couldn't throw the football. He gets a he gets a play play caller in there. That plays to his strengths, and all of a sudden he's going to win, might win the Heisman Trophy. Tim Tebow, he couldn't throw the football. He had a coach that understands what his strengths were. They won national championships. Cam Newton, he wasn't known as the best thrower in college, he won national championships. Georgia fans, we'll get into you later, but all we heard about why Justin Fields couldn't see the field is because he wasn't as accurate as, you know, from. Eh. The guy's thrown for 18 touchdowns and one interception. The list goes on and on. Jalen Hurts, he's not that accurate. Baker Mayfield, he's not that accurate at Texas Tech. Kyler Murray, he's not in our, fits in our system. Coaches, I think you have forgotten what the definition of a coach is. is to take the talent that you have and develop a game plan around them and put your players in the position to be successful. Stop blaming these kids for your lack of creativity and An understanding of what they can do well and what they can't do well. Stop trying to squeeze a square peg into a round hole. And fans, start holding these coaches accountable. They get paid millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of dollars as offensive coordinator to develop talent, and too many of them are falling short. So coaches, get your act together. Start coaching up these players because every year you see people who quote-unquote can't throw the football, they go somewhere else and they can all of a sudden throw the football.
0: Look, I agree with you. I think that we see it all over the place. I think we see perfect examples year after year between Justin Fields. Hell, even Jalen Hurts. You know, they were saying that now they've got a passer in there at Alabama. They've got Tua. Well, yeah, Tua's a great passer, but Jalen Hurts can throw the football and he's proven it at Oklahoma. He can throw it pretty well. Um, I think you make a great point. We we talked about it over the weekend a lot, DJ and You got to play to your not only your quarterback strength, but you have to throw it to the guys that can make plays. And I think too many times you're seeing these guys go out. I know I'm, as a Mississippi State fan, I bring them up as an example a lot because I know the most about them, just like you do with LSU. But when you've got a guy like a Kylan Hill, you know, you don't have a whole lot of other skill position players that, that you can depend on at a Mississippi State. So why are you only giving this guy, you know, seven, eight, nine touches a game? How are you not finding other ways other than running it's somebody? Coaching. To it's coaching. It's, it's It's guys that are getting paid way too much money that aren't delivering on the money that they're making, in my opinion. Now, that's not all of them. There's some good examples out there. And one of them that I think we can't let slip by without discussing before we move forward is Dan Mullen, as much as it pains me to say it as a former state coach. Despite LSU winning that game and there's a lot of positives to take out of it for LSU, I think you have to give some credit to Dan Mullen and them for being in the game. He's got a backup quarterback. He's he's going in there and he's got a he's got trash coming in there as a backup throwing for over 300 yards. He's utilizing the talent that he has.
1: Yeah, 100%. And that's what separates the great coaches from the good coaches and the good coaches from the bad coaches. I mean, it's not a coincidence these guys get the most out of their players year in and year out. You know? Like I see, it, it drives me crazy to see nowadays. You got five backup quarterbacks with construction vests on, signaling in plays at fifty miles an hour. You got guys holding up cue cards. You got a running backs coach calling in a running back play. You got stop it. Let's get back to basics, okay? Get back to the basics of football and what your players do well. You don't need all of this. Coaches have. It looks like they have too much time on their hands with all this stuff they have going on. Right? Let's get back to the basics. Start coaching these kids up. Get creative and stop blaming them. Mike, when we get into Mississippi State, I'm going to call out some of the Mississippi State stuff. I know you got a lot to say about that, but uh, I'm going to give an example there too.
0: I say we go ahead and get into it. I mean, hey, we make up the show, right? We're definitely going to get into the Georgia upset loss right after this. But, I mean, let's go ahead and talk about State because what you just said is to a T. You've got Joe Moorhead who comes in as an offensive guru from Penn State. And now we saw them go up to Rocky Top and lose to the worst program in the SEC. Well, the second worst program in the SEC now, I guess, because officially Joe Moorhead has turned Mississippi State into the worst program in the SEC, it looks like. But you've got an offense that is so dysfunctional in every way that it's just completely out of sync. You've got a quarterback that goes up to the line of scrimmage, checks the defense, and then looks to the sideline, tries to get a play call in from Joe. Last year, Fitzgerald did it. He would always make the read to keep the ball, and Joe would always blame him In the you know, without just flat out throwing him under the bus. He would basically say Nick has to make the read to give the ball to Kylan on certain plays and this and that and the other. No, you're the coach. You're the offensive coordinator. If you have a playmaker on the field, it's your job to get him the ball, not the quarterbacks. It's your job. If, if he's making the wrong reads, you need to call the play to be a direct play to that running back. You have that authority. You're the offensive coordinator. And now here we are this year, and Mississippi State fans have every right to be fed up with Joe Moorhead because – and I hear it all the time. He's the nicest guy. I agree. Joe I Moorhead – I don't care nice about guy. that. That's not what he's getting paid millions of dollars to be. Give me an asshole that wins games over a nice guy that loses.
1: Oh, my God. I mean, that's a, no question. Mike, all, all I know is, is I saw a press conference with Moorhead, and he said, "Uh, you know, we're going to we're gonna name Stevens the, the starting quarterback because KT – hasn't progressed well in the passing game Joe your quarterbacks this year the guy you brought in from Penn State and the guy you've hand selected have thrown eight touchdowns and six interceptions on the year so KT can't throw the ball the guy you bring in Stevens can't throw the football Schroeder can't throw the football there's one common denominator in that equation coach and and I hate to tell you Mike, I'll give you a story, a real quick story. I'm from, obviously, I'm from South Louisiana, and I've seen a lot of players play, a lot of great high school football players play. Seen, I played on the field with Eli Manning, Odell Beckham. Seen him play in person. Uh, Leonard Fournette. Seen these guys play in person. I saw KT play in person, and Mike, it doesn't, it didn't take two minutes to realize this kid was special. Okay. I'm not calling him the next Cam Newton. I'm not calling him the next great, you know, quarterback. But what I'm telling you is, I saw with my own eyes this kid in the state championship game in the highest level of Louisiana high school football, which is extremely tough, dominate the second best program in all of Louisiana football. It was he was a man against boys. He threw for 300 yards, he rushed for over 100 yards. He was Louisiana football player of the year. And all of a sudden, now, he can't throw a football. Well, just like you said, Mike, the quarterback guru himself, Dan Mullen, he recruited the guy. He wanted him to run his offense. Now he's not good enough for you, Stevens. Mike, all I know as a freshman, the kid out Lamar Jackson in a bowl game without a head coach because Dan Mullen had left. All I know is that he got one start, and I know it was against Steven S. Austin, but you've played a lot of cream puffs since then. I'm not ripping mississippi state i'm just saying you've played a lot of teams when's the last time mississippi state scored 63 points and a quarterback's thrown for 364 yards you don't walk ass backwards into 63 points in 364 yards without having some type of talent so that's what we're talking about these coaches too often are just casting kids aside because they don't quote fit our system well moorhead you put up 10 points on the road to Tennessee. Your quarterbacks have thrown eight touchdowns in the, uh, on the year and six interceptions. Am I missing something? And Mike, sorry to keep going on a rant and, and stealing your thunder about Mississippi State, but you hit the nail on the head. You got one of the best backs in college football. This guy rushes the ball 11 times in the game versus Tennessee. Your, your quarterback's rushing for 22. Now I know some of those are scramble plays, but 11 times what are we doing Moorhead?
0: not not only that dj but he ran it 11 times for 13 yards credit to tennessee for coming out trying to take him away but i would say at least 10 of those times if not all 11 it was right up the middle on a zone read handoff get the guy in space throw a screen pass do a jet sweep Run him to the outside. Do something different to get the ball in this guy's hands. And then after the game, Joe Moorhead in his press conference, you know, first of all, he kind of goes on a little bit of a sob story. I'm not going to – I know there's a lot of people that still like Joe Moorhead as a guy. I like him as a guy. But what I'm saying is he goes on a little bit of a sob story to buy a little bit of sympathy. But he owned up to a lot of the fact that he – I mean, he even said it. He said, I sucked Saturday. And I agree. He did. But you know what? He sucked a lot more than just Saturday. And he even made a comment in his press conference about I need to get Kylan Hill on the outside. How do you not see that during the game? You're supposed to be a great offensive mind. Why does it take coming back and watching the film after you lose to the worst team in the league to figure out that you need to get Kylan Hill outside? This is this guy's getting paid more than the president of the United States, guys. You shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to watch film to make these adjustments. And that's the kind of stuff that, that we're talking about here. It's It's becoming way too common that these coaches that are making a lot of money are making boneheaded decisions that guys sitting on their couch can make and can see as clear as day and they're not making it. Is it that they're too stubborn? Do they think they're too smart? I don't understand it. But sometimes
1: less is more in a lot of these situations. I feel like coaches are losing that. Yeah, coaches are losing that. Like I said, they're trying to squeeze uh, square pegs into a round hole. Moorhead, you're 11th? In passing yards, out of fourteen in the SEC, you're twelfth in total yards in the SEC, and you're eleventh in total scoring. So, is it is it the kids that can't perform, or is it you? Is it your system, or is it the kids? Because it's hard for me to believe that if Dan Mullen was the coach of Mississippi State today, that those would be those type of numbers that you'd have. Hard for me to believe.
0: It's hard for me to believe that if Keaton Thompson isn't starting and you're running that just that Mullen-style offense, that you don't blow teams like Tennessee out of the water. I just – I agree with you. I mean, 267 total yards versus Tennessee. Offensive guru, get out of here. Get out of here. He's a dead man walking. It is a matter of time. I like him as a guy. But guess what? That's not what he's getting paid for. So I'm tired of hearing that.
1: And, Mike, we said it last week. Tennessee – I mean, I know their record's – is is bad and their early performances were bad but they found something in mauer they found a little spark plug and those kids are now rallying around that and guess what they played georgia tough for a quarter i mean excuse me a half and they went toe to toe with you guys only allowing 10 points so a lot to be said about what's going on in Mississippi state, but just another prime example of coaches saying our passing uh, KT couldn't develop our passing game. Well, it seems to me, coach, nobody's been able to develop under your passing game. You
0: know, I saw something on Twitter, Joe Moorhead on, uh, he put an inspirational quote on Twitter and, you know, about coming together as a beginning, keeping together as a process, working together as success. And one of the posts under that was by Lucas Cox on Twitter and, it was a picture of the uh what's the Denzel Washington movie I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden the, remember the Titans mm. when the guy says attitude reflects leadership Captain talk is cheap and yeah, talk as much is as it, it's time to see results and guess what we're not in the day and age. You still have some of these old school fans that are out there saying Mississippi State can't fire a coach after two years that's not what Mississippi State does. you got to give this guy four years and all this this is not. The 1990s anymore, guys. This game is way different now. The coaches are getting paid way too much money. You can't give a guy four years to completely run the thing into the ground anymore. You know, this isn't one of those things where you can see positives and you can see growth, and it's just a matter of getting more talent in. This guy came in with a pretty full cupboard, and so far he's taken the number one defense last year that was averaging less than a touchdown per game given up, and he managed to go eight and five with that. This year, a team that's probably was supposed to go seven and seven, eight wins, and they'll be lucky to win five or six now. It's it's not a rebuild, and the time to cut bait is now. And I think that, uh, you know, it, it's a shame because sometimes good people don't get it done, but that doesn't mean that they deserve to hang on to a million plus year job just because they're a nice guy. That's not the way this world works. Oh, no, so. come on. no.
1: Yeah, Mike, let's talk about a team that I know Mississippi State fans are. Uh, um, Upset, but what about Georgia fans? What are they thinking? Today? Uh,
0: you talk about a meltdown. Now Georgia goes. I mean, they didn't even go into South Carolina. They hosted South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina loses their quarterback halfway through the game. Georgia doubles them in yards. I mean, everything except for that one key stat that you that you talked about a while ago, DJ turnovers. Everything favored Georgia in that game except for turnovers, three picks and a fumble. And Georgia loses at home 20 to 17 to South Carolina. It's if you look at the stats, there's no way you see Georgia losing that game.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was uh it was one of those games just like Georgia played last week where you're like, all right, the first half's close. We know it's gonna happen in the second half. Okay, the third quarter's closed, we know it's gonna happen in the fourth quarter, and it never came. It absolutely never came. Earth to Georgia fans. You have one of the best backs in college football. And You're at home, and you're letting Fromm throw the ball 51 times. I repeat, 51 times. George, we all know where you're best. Establish a run, play action with Fromm. You let that guy sit back like y'all were down 24 points the whole game and throw the ball 51 times? Three interceptions? A 34 quarterback rating? Georgia fans, uh, I guess Justin Fields couldn't throw the football. Y'all y'all miss him yet? Y'all miss that dual threat quarterback yet? I know as an LSU fan, I'm glad he's at Ohio State. I smile every single time I turn on the TV, and he's in an Ohio State jersey. But, Mike, that game was literally back and forth. It wasn't like Georgia ever put them away. And fluke plays happened. It was back and forth the whole game. It really was. South Carolina punted seven
0: times and had 11 penalties on the road at one, at a top five team and wins the game without their quarterback half the game. It's just – I mean, you can't make that up. That is a bad loss for Kirby Smart. That one hurts the SEC potentially because think about this. Now you, you're guaranteed to only have one undefeated team in the SEC championship game, right? Yep. Well – that really puts a damper on the chances of the SEC getting two teams in the college yeah, football playoff. There's still a chance, but
1: look, I think we can recall the the SEC game championship game last year where Kirby Smart in a close game calls a fake punt, maybe the worst call in college football history in an SEC championship game. That fake punt. That's about the only time you know I sell Justin Fields on the field, um, and then. You have the best kicker. Now, I know he missed a game-winning field goal in overtime, but you don't even give him a, a shot. And he He's already hit a 50-yarder in the game, and you don't give him a shot at the end of regulation to kick a field goal. And we all know the suspect call that he did not going for it on fourth and one versus Notre Dame. So in tight games, is Kirby Smart the guy that's going to get you over the hump? Is he the guy? Right now he's proved he's not, right? I mean, he's proved that he is not that guy at the current time because he's had Alabama on the ropes two years in a row, hasn't been able to get over that hurdle, lucky to escape Notre Dame um, earlier this year, and another tight game versus South Carolina, and this time his luck ran out and they lost a football game. And how about Will Muschamp,
0: you know, getting a big, big road win – you know, part of me was almost thinking, you know, South Carolina fans are probably pretty happy about the win, obviously. But then there's a little part of you that's like, well, Champ's going to be here for a while. Yeah. He's yeah. definitely going to be here for a while. But at the same time, I mean, hey, it could be worse. Like uh, it know. goes
1: it goes back to the, the interview, and I, I mentioned it on, you know, episode two or three or whatever it was, where Kirby Smart said, oh, I had butterflies in my stomach in the last minute. <laughs> I mean, that's what you're getting? That's what you're paying for, a guy to admit? and he has butterflies in his stomach during the last minute of a football game that explains why he's blown it so many times in the last few possessions of a football game and consistently makes the wrong calls
0: hey is it a coincidence that the coaches that are talking about their kids crying in the in the press conferences the guys that are talking about having butterflies in their stomach in the post game press conferences those are the guys not getting it done when everything's on the line i don't think so no, of i don't think not. it's, it's of course not. You know, you DJ, know? yeah, Georgia. I, I I had to go on the message boards obviously and, and we found one of our favorite things of the week, which is the message board melts. We might as well go ahead and dive into these because Georgia was definitely it. Uh the Georgia SEC ramp page filled us up with plenty of things and Georgia Flyer said, I'm done, boys, season's over. This is before this is during overtime. <laughs> Game's not even over yet. <laughs> I'm done, boys, season's over. Uh, NC dog 52. There are no words. Fire Kirby, uh, Finley street. Does he have some kind of undiagnosed brain illness or something? Uh, damn good dog says I have so much hate in my heart. (laughs) Meet meet, (laughs) me. Meet cleaver weaver. I'd amputate a toe to get Mike Bobo back. (laughs) (laughs) And then Pretty Boy Boy did a perfect transition here. He said, Mark Rick 2.0, boys, Mark Rick 2.0. And, uh, you know, one of the things I saw on the SEC Network's Twitter page after the game, listen to this, DJ. First four seasons at Georgia, okay? Mark Rick, season one, eight and four. Kirby Smart, season one, eight and five. Mark Rick, season two, 13 and one. Smart, 13 and two. Rick, 11 and three. Smart, 11 and three. And then season four through six games, Rick 5-1, and one, Smart 5-1. and one. We'll retweet that out, but holy smokes. They really might have Rick
1: 2.0. So, Mike, ask Les Miles why he was fired. He'll tell you he couldn't beat Alabama, right? You can't beat the big game. These big coaches – Kirby Smart, you're not hired to beat Tennessee. You're not hired to beat Missouri. That's expected. And to beat South Carolina is expected. You're hired to beat Florida, and you're hired to beat Alabama. That is the two wins you have to have. All the others are supposed to wins. And if you're losing games you're supposed to win, it could get hot very quickly down in Athens. Speaking of Alabama, they went to AM.
0: You kind of thought this might be a little bit closer. I kind of thought it was going to be a blowout. A M hung around a little bit on the scoreboard, but man, this game was not really ever in doubt. It was not close. Alabama looks like a well-old machine. They are giving up a lot of lot of yards, a lot of points, but what are your thoughts? Bama going in 47-28 winners at
1: AM? As we said, Alabama goes in and just always gets the job done, right? I mean, that's the dip that's why Alabama is a notch above LSU. In a notch above Georgia, because Alabama doesn't falter in these type of games. I mean, yes, do we expect Alabama? I mean, when you're talking about you're expecting Alabama to go on the road and beat Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher by twenty something points, and they beat him by twenty something points. That's that says all you need to know, right? I mean, that is the difference. And that is why Alabama is Alabama and has been top of the SEC for the last seven years because they just go in and they get the business done better than anybody in the business. And Jimbo Fisher, you get paid a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And you get paid a lot, a lot of money to be ranked and to be hanging around in these close games against top-notch teams, the LSUs, the Georgias, and the Alabamas. You do not get paid $7 million to come close to losing to Arkansas, get blown out by Alabama, get blown out by Clemson, and still have to play – oh, by the way, lose to Auburn and still have to play Alabama. I mean, excuse me, still have to play LSU. That's not what you get paid all that money to do, uh, Jimbo. So things could be interesting with Jimbo between now and the end of the year. Yeah. And, you know, 47 28. If you'd have told me the
0: score before the game, I would have said, well, that means Kellen Mind had another bad game. Um, he actually played pretty hard. I mean, he was their leading rusher, he didn't throw any picks. So, but I mean, he got no support. And you got to be able to run the football a little bit with somebody other than the quarterback if you're going to maintain possession long enough to keep yourself in it. But they are who we thought they were <laughs> to, to steal a line from Dennis Green. But, and Jimbo is, is, he appears to be robbing A&M right now. He's got to get it turned around. And, hey, those guys go to go to Ole Miss. And Texas oh, A&M has had issues with the Mississippi schools. So that's not a gimme. I mean, Jimbo better be careful because he's one slip up in a game like this coming up weekend from really jumping up the rankings in the hot seat.
1: No doubt. No doubt. And, Mike, I'm going to be honest. I, I think Jimbo needs to, as we said earlier in the show, he needs to get more creative. He needs to do more. It just seems like I'm watching Jameis Winston out there, or so. I mean, it seems like that type of, of offense. I know mine's more, you know, elusive than than Winston. Well, not and mine isn't Jameis by any means. But what I'm saying is, it looks the same. It's no razzle dazzle. It's nothing. It's bland. And how do I know it's bland? Look at your record. It's bland. You need to spice it up. Right now, A and M is one of those teams you can kind of
0: pencil in a seven and five, eight and four record every year. They're paying too much for a coach. They have way too much fan supported money to be expecting a seven and five, eight and four result every year. It is what it is. But Mike, you, you know, mentioned thought-
1: Ole Miss. What what about them this week? What'd you think of oh, Ole yeah. Miss?
0: You know that game was kind of tight early on, and then Mizzou jumped out way ahead, and then Ole Miss kind of scored a little bit at the end to make it. Not look as bad as it was, in my opinion. Ole Miss, you were balanced, but not in a good way. But you had to have Plumlee was your only form of a running game. The guy's like five eight, you know, a buck twenty, and he's running twenty five times or something like that. He did have one hundred and forty something yards rushing, but he's going to get killed at that pace. This he's not a Michael, He's what... not a he's not a Tim Tebow build guy. You gotta you gotta get some kind of balance there and you can't always rely on bringing in matt corral to do the passing and have rice plumley do the running you can't line up two quarterbacks in the backfield and right now that formula
1: it's you know it's keeping them somewhat competitive but mike it's the old saying if you have two quarterbacks you don't have a quarterback so what's Ole miss gonna do now listen Ole miss you've looked a lot better the last few weeks i'll give you credit it's tough going on the road i mean kelly bryan is is a formidable opponent. I mean, i give you that. Mizzou's a tough place to play. And Mizzou's a tough place to play. I mean, um, they waxed West Virginia up there earlier this year. It's not an easy place to play. I mean, look, you have a few bright spots. You have two young quarterbacks. But, Mike, we hit – I'm tired of beating a dead horse here, but are you going to develop one of these guys into your quarterback? And what's going to happen to the other one? Probably enter the portal, but – you're going to have to develop one of these guys because you have Elijah Moore, three games over 100 yards receiving this year. He's a bright spot. He's a young talent. It's up to you, Rich Rod, to develop these guys and establish a number one quarterback moving forward because I can't imagine you going into – I mean, they're both freshmen, right? I mean, how, how is that going to continue to play out? Um, who knows? But oh uh, Miss, I'm not, I'm not down on you. I expect to see a big crowd this weekend when you play Texas A&M at night. It won't be hot. You'll have enough time in the Grove, so get in the stadium.
0: I think that uh, they're just kind of in a conundrum right now with their quarterbacks because I think Rich Rod sees it that, you know, Plumlee, 103 yards passing, not going to do it, not on the road, can't can't have it, got to have more than that. He ran the ball like crazy. That was great, but uh, Corral had to come in and, and on much less playing time out past him. You know, you just can't do that. You can't, you can't bring in a quarterback and everybody know that you're this is the guy that passes, and then bring in a guy that this is the guy that runs. So that was the one thing that kind of made Pat White special, and I think that that's going to be what Rich Rod's got to figure out is he's got to find out which passes Plumlee can throw because I think the the extra run dimension he gives you is what's going to make you effective. So you got to find out the strengths of his passing game and play to him. I don't think Corral is that guy because there's too much you need the run game at the quarterback position in Rich Rod's offense and Corral's just not the runner that, that Plumlee is. So you got some tools there, you got some pieces there, but like we've been saying all show so far, are your coaches going to be able to play off of those strengths? And, uh, you know, I will say this, Missouri has figured out the strengths of their offense and, and they're playing to them right now because Kelly Bryant looked good again. Their run game looked real strong. Granted, it was against Ole Miss's defense, but Ole Miss's defense has actually looked pretty good against the run this year. So, you know, they, they had a, Another hundred yard rusher this week, and it's funny when Missouri is at home, they're they're pretty good. Can they take it on the road? They probably will be able to this weekend because they're playing the next team. We're going to talk about. I can't believe we're even talking about. Them. We didn't even talk about them last show because we said they're not worth talking about. Vandy. Oh no, Mike, we can't talk about Vandy. Uh, Thirty-four until, to ten loss
1: at home to UNLV. Until you make a coaching change, I cannot talk about Vandy. Who's Derek Mason going to be coaching
0: uh, as defensive coordinator for next year, DJ?
1: I mean, whichever defensive coordinator from the SEC takes a head coaching job. I mean, I like you, Derek Mason, but at the end of the day, like Mike said, you get paid a lot of money to win football games. Do I expect you to beat Alabama? No. Do I expect you to beat LSU? No. Do I expect you to beat UNLV? Yes. Yes. That is what you are paid to do. Beat UNLV. Go to the dot backslash backslash bowl with six wins. That's what you're paid to do. But when you're that's losing, a big, that's, to,
0: that's a big season at Vandy.
1: Correct. But when you're losing to UNLV at home in that type of manner, uh, I don't think he. I don't think he wants to be there, and I don't think they want him there. What's his buyout? I don't know. Yeah, I see him. Uh, I see him in different colors next year. Um, the anchor's not look, down the anchor's up flailing in the, flailing in the ocean. the boat's running out of control. Somebody's got to get behind a wheel and grab it
0: yeah I think look I think the way that you can tell that that Mason's on his way out is one thing that he always brought to Vandy was that kind of defensive physicality tough, tough. I mean, they, they weren't yeah I mean he he is kind of that that defensive minded tough guy and man, they look really soft right now here here's a question for you gun to your head. You've got to pick a head coach that you've got to sign up for the a three year contract, and your choices are Joe Moorhead or Derek
1: Mason. Who are you going with? The other guy, like I mean, it's like that joke, you know that you know you take the other guy doesn't you said to you know I mean you do the you do the Ole Miss chancellor search and you hire yourself. Yeah, right? I mean uh, me, um, the good the guy that wins the Madden Bowl, Mike. I'm going Derek Mason because Morehead on the sidelines, I, he's just uninspiring. You remember your William Wallace quote from a couple weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. At yeah. least Derek
0: Mason shows that fire and he has the ability to to show some fight. I haven't seen that. I, I see a soft bunch in Starville, and and even though that's happening right now at Vandy, Mason has at least shown it in his history to to have that mindset. Yeah, so for
1: sure, no Morehead.
0: Uh, you don't you don't want to be stuck with that decision though. That's for sure.
1: Moorhead, I could see you ending up at, like, uh, I I would say Liberty, you know, that type of school, but, you know, Hughes Hughes occupying the bed up there, literally. Uh, So, um, not Liberty, but a school like that, you know?
0: Yeah, I think Rutgers, a team like that, that we've kind of heard rumors that they were looking at Moorhead, which I can't for the life of me understand why they would be looking at uh, a coach that's spiraling like that but it hey if you're a state fan you know you're hoping that rutgers is seeing the the bright spots wherever the hell they are and trying to hire joe moorhead because that would be a huge win for the for the dogs right now because look the mississippi state fan base i don't think they've been this united and since jackie sherrill's first couple of years man they haven't everybody is on board now it seems like that look it's it's that typical saying he's such a nice guy. Uh, but guess what? You know who the last guy we heard that about was Sylvester Kroon. Mike, Everybody it's said, like great guy, great guy. Just, just really hope he could turn it around. Guess what? Nobody cared that Dan Mullen was a jerk.
1: Mike, it's like he was
0: winning games.
1: Mike, now listen. I know we're both married, but think back to our single days and and your buddy's got a got a got a date and he needs you to go out with the other girl and you say, well, what's she like? Well, she's got a good personality. You knew what you were in for.
0: <laughs> you knew right. you were in
1: for a awful time. Okay. You knew you were in. You're going to have to fall on a grenade. It was going to be a bad night, and it just is what it is. When you have to start a sentence, he's a nice guy, or they got a good personality, like, you know what's coming next. You know what you're in for. Grenade whistle. Right.
0: Boom. And, and it's, it's speaking, over. Speaking of a grenade, let's talk about Arkansas and Kentucky. Uh, why? Kentucky. Why? <laughs> Well, if we're going to talk about Vandy, we might as well oh, talk man. about how how Arkansas finally looked like they might have a win in their hands, and they let it slip away to another horrible team in Kentucky. These teams, Mike, man,
1: you lost to awful. a team with a wide receiver playing quarterback. I mean, how is that even possible? I mean, the kid's a great athlete, obviously but my lord arkansas does it get any worse a kid that's playing wide receiver making his first start at quarterback beat you oh my gosh what are you doing that's Let's another one him, he's, he's nice huh he's nice too yeah. in arkansas huh? he's
0: nice man they, some some really bad coaches hired in the sec the last several years just just head scratchers they look some of them even look really good on paper but you know, I think it's a wake-up call. I think a lot of these coaches are coming in. And Moorhead said in his press conference the other day he that the, the SEC is humbling every week. And I think, you know, if you're not ready, if you're not one of these tough-minded guys and you walk into this league, you're going to get punched in the mouth, and then there is no off weeks. Yeah. You're going to get punched and punched and punched. And some of these guys just haven't figured out how to, figured out how to get off off the mat.
1: And uh, Arkansas and Kentucky, whew. Yeah.
0: Um, what do you think Next. about the
1: Red River shootout? I mean, it went exactly how I thought it was going to go. Um, They couldn't stop Jalen Hurts, the guy that, quote, unquote, couldn't throw the football, couldn't run an offense very well. Uh, I mean, Jalen Hurts throws a bad interception in the red zone. He fumbles the ball in the red zone after, like, a 30-yard run. That game could have gotten ugly real quick. Texas, you are not back. You've played two ranked teams – one team at home and one team on a neutral field. I don't know how that shapes up any better for you, and you're losing by 14 points in the fourth quarter to both of those games. You score late to cover, thank you, but um, you weren't in the football game in the fourth quarter. Let's face it. And um, Oklahoma, who's left on your schedule? Baylor. Baylor.
0: I was about to say this. This really. Is, is what peaked our conversation about the college football playoff and what's happening because you've got, I mean, now all of a sudden Oklahoma's resume builder, if that's what you want to call it, the only game on their schedule that was against a ranked team is now probably going to end up being against what, you know, even if they beat them twice, who knows? Texas may be clinging on to a top 25 ranking by that point, but you're talking about a team that's not going to get back above, you know, 15, 17 ranking. So is that going to be your top
1: wins if you're Oklahoma? And Baylor's not beating Oklahoma, and they're not beating Texas. So they're going to have two losses. So where do they fall? Right. I mean, you're talking about a resume
0: now for the Big 12 and the ACC. And I know Ryan and Memphis, some of you other guys on Twitter, some of you guys on our email that have been emailing in, you know, you Clemson fans, you guys that are saying quit bashing the Big 12 and the ACC, this is what we're talking about. You're starting to see it all come to fruition. It does every
1: year, Mike. It does every year. Clemson's
0: dropping in the rankings and you've got all these people saying Clemson deserves to be there based on what they've done the last couple of years. This is This shouldn't be about the last couple of years. Correct.
1: My you've God,
0: nothing this year except for you can beat a Willie Taggart coached Florida State team, but like a drum, like everybody else has, and you can squeak by a Mac Brown reincarnated team in North Carolina on where he probably should have kicked the field goal and then beaten you in overtime. But right now, Clemson, you don't have a resume that deserves to get you in the college football playoff. You better hope – you better hope that everybody starts losing the game because you need to be undefeated against a bunch of one-loss records if you have a hope to get in the playoff because they are right now who, – who are you going to put in, DJ? LSU or Clemson? Undefeated Clemson or one-loss LSU? LSU would have a better resume with one loss oh, than Clemson.
1: listen. And, and, and talk about beating a dead horse. I know we say this every week. One, you cheer for your team – 2 you cheer for the outcome that will help your team end at the end of the season. So, Oklahoma, I hate to tell you, you should have been cheering for Texas versus LSU. Um, Clemson, you should have been cheering for Miami versus Florida. Because what would this what would the talk be if Texas beat LSU and Miami beat Florida? What would that be like? Right? But guess what? It didn't happen, so we don't have to talk about it. But you wish it would have happened now, looking back on it. Get with it, ACC and Big 12. You you have to root for your conference in big out-of-conference games. When it gets to the playoff, all you don't have to root for your team anymore. Okay? But in the regular season, you do.
0: Who did you say Clemson was in line to face in the ACC championship?
1: Duke. Not, not basketball. <laughs> Football, Duke.
0: And, look, and look. I have a lot of respect for Cutcliffe. He's done a good job at a, at a place that's tough to win football games. But does he have a team or a program that belongs in the ACC championship? That's who you've got to beat to get into the college football playoff? It shouldn't be. You shouldn't be in. I'm telling you, Clemson better hope that there's some teams that are losing. They better hope LSU loses a second game. Or, yeah. you know, they may. I mean, LSU could beat Alabama. I don't know. I, mean, I know that we're kind of penciling no, that no, in. No, game what
1: it that is, game, That
0: game could be a uh, – we're definitely not looking at a nine to six game in the in Alabama. No, 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 no it, no. it should be a much more offensive offensive showing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of offensive, except more like offensive, let's hit real quick on the officiating around the league, not just in college but in the NFL. DJ, I'm sick of it. Mike, last night was the icing on the cake. I had the lines straight up against the against the Packers. They deserve to win that game. The officials robbed them of that game we see it every week in college and in pros these officials calling anticipating that something's going to happen and making calls things that they aren't actually seeing happen they're throwing flags you know throwing flags on a on a touchback you know what a hold on a touchback come on My, that's not your job
1: dear officials you're there to one protect the players that's your first job is to protect the players your second job is to go unnoticed your second job is to go unnoticed i am starting to see some of these referees faces in my sleep because i see them on the television so often we have zero interest in you calling a nickel and dime holding call like they did against old miss that's 10 yards behind the play that doesn't affect the play we have zero interest in you calling a block in the back that happens after the punt returner is by the guy. Can we get some common sense? I mean, I truly believe that it's to the point now where college is a billion-dollar industry. NFL is obviously a billion-dollar industry with, with in respect to the football. How do we not have full-time referees? How do we have guys that are – an engineer Monday through Friday fly out Saturday and it call a football game on Sunday
0: or even worse the the college guys that are you know carry jobs in Tuscaloosa Alabama three or four of them Every week and then they're calling the Alabama game against LSU on Saturday.
1: Mike, it's that's not un- right. In so many ways, it's not right. It's unbelievable. You're a multi-billion dollar industry. You can't pay your refs full-time, have them in classes, have them review and film, have them going through like little mini camps, have them all year round getting better. I mean, yeah, the refs suck. I'll give it to you, but are we setting these guys up to succeed? Hell no! Oh, I got a big I got a big litigation coming up this week. I spent sixty hours prepping for it, and then I got to fly out to Seattle to call the Seattle versus Saints game. What do you expect? What do you what do you expect the outcome to be there? Come on, let's get it together, NFL. Let's get it together, college football.
0: It's just horrible. Let's let's talk about. Uh, we're we're about to get into our bets of the week, but first let's kind of run down this week's slate. The SEC slate's not that strong this weekend. But I would have to say the biggest game of the week is probably Florida traveling to South Carolina. South Carolina fresh off the upset, Florida feeling a little bit beat up after the LSU game. Can South Carolina pull it off two times in a row? Can they pull off another upset this time at home? Or is the does do they fall back to reality this week?
1: Oh yeah, no, um, it's over. It was nice. It was good. We 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 liked it. They fall back down to reality. Uh, Florida's defense is the real deal. Now, listen, if Florida's missing her two pass rushers, um, then I might give an update on Twitter. But if those two guys are playing in the football game, um, I just don't see any way South Carolina hangs on um, and wins what this about, game. What
0: about Holinsky? Is he going to be back?
1: I don't know. He looked hobbling on the sideline. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, I don't, we'll I don't see. think
0: this one sets up sets up good. Uh, real emotional win. Now you come back. At least they're at home, but uh, I just see Florida going in and getting the getting the win there. I think we're on the same page. Auburn at Arkansas, yuck. Uh, yeah. I think we both have Auburn there. LSU at State, bloodbath. I saw on Twitter, DJ, that Joe Moorhead. I mean, uh, Joe Burrow was asked, "Is he familiar with Mississippi State at all?" He said, "Yeah, my dad was a State fan. I had a cowbell, you know, growing up." People underneath the tweet were saying, like State fans saying, "Well." Don't embarrass us, you know, because of your dad, you know, like have a little sympathy for your dad, you know, go easy on us. It's gotten to that point for state fans. This this is going to be an absolute massacre. I think it's It's already, it it was already like minus 19 and a half. I think it's probably already up to like 21. Uh, Mizzou at Vandy, gross. If you and LV can win at Vandy, Kelly Bryant is just sitting there licking his chops for this one, you know. UK at Georgia, nothing like getting getting UK coming to town to help you get back on track. Bulldogs, yeah, um, you know A and a- a- M at Ole Miss could be a watch out game. What do you think? Can Ole Miss beat A and M at home?
1: I'm gonna take Ole Miss in a in a, in a late night winner. Wow, straight up, straight up. Not the not the line, straight up. I'm gonna take Ole Miss winning that football game. A little magic, Patrick, Patrick and Mark, Mark Paul. I'm going with you, Rebels. Don't make me look like an idiot. UT at Bama. That one's got
0: a lot of promise, doesn't it? Yeah. Joe Moorhead, make sure you tune in to what good teams do to Tennessee <laughs> because that game's going to be an absolute massacre.
1: Oh, I love it. it
0: looks ugly. All right. Bets of the week, guys. Bets of the week. Uh, DJ, you have been kind of dominating me the last few weeks. Until this past weekend, I got back on track in a big way. I went 3-0. I had Penn State, Iowa, the under, which completely delivers every week if you go under in Iowa. Uh, That one delivered Washington minus six and a half. I knew uh, Kevin Sumlin would deliver on that one and allow somebody to beat his brains in at home and give me the the Washington bounce back win. And then Ole Miss, Missouri, the one thing you did deliver was the over, and uh, you covered there. So went 3-0 and on that one. DJ, why don't you uh, recap your bets?
1: Uh, Virginia didn't have a good week this week, guys. I'm sorry. Went one and two um, was hot the last few weeks. But overall, up and up on the year, you're still – you're still winning, those, winning that money. Uh, Virginia, I thought you were a smart university. I thought that's what you were known for, basketball and being smart. Well, you just saw a team last week put up 45 points versus Miami with a high-tempo athletic quarterback. What do you have? An athletic quarterback. What do you do? Slow tempo the whole game. I mean, at no point in time did you decide to speed it up to try to get your offense on on track there. So lost the over there. Maryland, fell into your trap, the bipolar team. You got absolutely just doors blown off at Purdue. Oh, my God. Up and down a roller coaster. Uh, Scott Van Pelt, are you out there? Tell me what it's like to be a Maryland fan. I need to know. Some Maryland fan, please, we're going to hashtag the terp, the Terrapins. I need to know. We'd love to hear from you what it's like, what this roller coaster's been like because I've never seen anything like it. One week score 70, next week score none. Next week, score 65. Next week, get blown up by Purdue by 40. Uh, it's unbelievable. Um, and, of course, the Big 12 over w- was good. Always so, is. Always one and is. two.
0: Uh, oh, and by the way, the night cap, we told you guys to tune in to our Twitter page midday on Saturday, and we try to give you a couple more winners. We threw out a couple that night. We went LSU minus 13 and a half. We went Utah and Oregon State over 59. Of course, LSU covered by a half point. Utah, OSU push so. Man, on the day we had a really good day, and if you were following us, and if you bet with us, you won some money. We're gonna try to do the same for you this week, DJ. Who you got?
1: All right. So starting off with Florida, as I said, I'm not. I'm unsure of South Carolina's quarterback situation. Now I know if Florida's two defensive ends um, aren't gonna play, maybe that changed my bet a little bit. Florida coming off a bad loss, defense got embarrassed. I'm gonna take Florida minus six. Um, SMU quietly sitting undefeated. Um, Great offense there. Um, their touchdown celebrations. <laughs> Miami, you can celebrate when you're in the top 25, Miami. Have you seen some of these? Mike, they had a VIP bottle service the other week. You I can't see that. Oh, you got to see it. Maybe we could post that on our Twitter. And a VIP bottle service after a touchdown and a turnover. Miami, you can do that if you get to the top 25. Till then, stop it. Um, so I'm taking SMU minus seven. And then um, – you keep going to the well because it keeps producing over in the Baylor game of 63. You always talk about, DJ, how we
0: do our research, right? Oh, yeah. Just like just like when I pulled out the ULL Moneyline game, Louisiana Lafayette early in the season. Oh, yeah. We're going back to the well, all right? We're going Western Kentucky minus nine. They're playing Charlotte. I'm going Western Kentucky minus nine. Next game, Vandy. You just got waxed at home by UNLV you are not going to have a single answer for Kelly Bryant and that Missouri team. Missouri is a 21 and a half point favorite and they're going to cover it. LSU at Mississippi state. I'm a Mississippi state fan. It pains me to say this, but that's the easiest money on the ticket this week. Oh, LSU will name the score Oof. in Starkville because guess what? You got to have pride and you got to have physicality to bounce back from what state just had happen to them this past weekend. And they've shown none of either. So LSU minus 19 and a half until you prove me wrong. I'm betting against the dog. Sorry, guys, but that's just the way it is. DJ, your final thoughts before we let these guys get out of here.
1: Yeah, man, as the plot thickens, um, I know we're going to get into some of these undefeated matchups here soon. Next week, uh, you got Wisconsin, Ohio State, a lot on the line there. But I think the message was clear this week, Mike. Fans, stop letting the coaches talk about so-and-so can't throw a football, so-and-so can't read a defense. It's time for the coaches to step up and start putting their players in better positions to win the game. The amount of of kids who transfer and play quarterback at other schools and produce and put up big-time numbers goes on and on and on. So is it the kid or is it you?
0: Guys, as always, we appreciate you being a part of the show make sure you interact with us on Twitter at DJ and Mike email us the group message guys at gmail.com. And as always, we appreciate you making us a part of your group message for DJ. I'm Mike. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy your weekend.
1: Enjoy.